So Chris was a CEO losing millions of dollars and really struggling and, and came to us because we were able to help create a culture of supportive accountability, which ultimately helped to turn that story around. And we'll get more to that story in a minute, but we're super excited to be kicking off today the first in our exceptional culture series as sort of a subheading within our Culture Eats Everything podcast. And so over the coming weeks and months, Brad and Kevin and myself and others will be coming together to share wisdom and insights based not just on our experience, but on the, the thousands of CEOs and leaders that we worked with over the years to hopefully provide some very pragmatic insights for you on what it takes to, to create an exceptional culture. So Brad, tell us a little bit more about Chris. Well, Chris was running a large uh, health center, like 15 locations, $80 million a year in revenues. Um, they had a large endowment. Um, they're very mission focused, um, uh, very focused on making sure that those that they serve were ach achieving great health outcomes um, and improving the quality of their life, all, all of that. Um, but the problem was they were investing so much that they were losing money. They were losing about 2% of their revenues every year, which they could afford to do it because they had the endowment, but yet they knew that they couldn't continue this, that it wasn't sustainable. So uh, we came in and worked with them for about a two-year period, and it took probably a year to 18 months. And they were actually able to flip that 2% loss into a 1% surplus, 1% profit, while at the same time improving the, the health outcomes of the patients that they served so much that they won awards from the federal government and from, from local organizations because of the dramatic improvement. So, you know, usually one's at the cost of the other. No, both, both were elevated. And in a way, you know, the, the solution was really quite elegant. You know, we we use the word elegant a lot because it's it's simple. Um, it's not easy, but it's it's quite simple. And it really gets back to this, this idea, this theme for our discussion today, which is accountability, or we like to talk about it as supportive accountability. You know, accountability is one of those words that people don't necessarily love talking about. Um, so talk to us a little bit, Brad, about your take on supportive accountability and you know, that the fact that over the years, it's probably the number one thing we hear from leaders is there's quote unquote, no accountability around here. Yeah, that is probably the, one of the most common laments over the 30 years that we've been doing this, that, uh, you know, how do I get people to be accountable? Um, but then when you delve into accountability, you realize pretty quickly that people tend to, to talk about accountability, like as a way to solve a problem. In other words, it's, it's, we got a problem around here. We've failed to perform in this area or this person has failed to perform in that area and somebody needs to be held accountable. So this commonly held view, um, sometimes even we're not even conscious of how common it is, uh, that accountability is, is a tool to be used when things are going badly, um, uh, actually gets in the way of people helping one another by holding each other accountable because if you're my coworker and I know you're working hard, I know you mean well, I know you're committed, um, but you're not getting the job done. If I view accountability as a negative or as a tool to be used only when you fail, um, it becomes punitive, which is commonly thought of as, as something that's punitive. 
um, uh, then I'm going to avoid it. I'm going to avoid holding you accountable. I don't want you to like feel demeaned or diminished. You might leave, you know? Um, so it's, uh, it's kind of a catch 22. It's like, we want accountability, but yet we don't want to hold others accountable. I don't want to hold others accountable because it's, it's a negative. It's like confrontational. That's sort of paradoxical that there's, there's that, um, catch 22 aspect of it where it can, it can sort of cut both ways. So let's, let's pull this apart a little bit and talk about, so what's, what's the, the root of accountability? Well, if you look at the, if you look at the word accountability, um, it comes from the same root word as an accountant or an accounting. It's about keeping accounts. Um, uh, so it's really quite simple. It's just how are we doing against what we promised? An accounting of what are the actual results versus the results that we targeted or promised. There's nothing that that really is all accountability is. So it involves both celebrating successes. Wow, you're 20% over what, what you promised. That's wonderful. That's great. Or Gosh, you're 20% under what you promised. Let's talk about that further. That's all accountability is. Yeah, that's really important, I think, to slow down and to think about that that route because most accountants, most CFOs will get that, right? That you can't have a strong balance sheet. You can't have a balance sheet, period, unless you have assets and the liabilities. And so as leaders, we need to think that way. We need to be thinking about, okay, how am I keeping an account of the, the good stuff, the assets, and the, the not so good stuff, the liabilities. And we have to account for both sides. Otherwise, it gets it gets way out of whack. And that's the challenge with many cultures is that we only focus on the liabilities and we, quote unquote, hold people accountable for those liabilities. And it's no wonder that people don't like the subject and they don't tend to do it very well. Um, so this is a this is really simple, but really, really important starting point that as a leader, we have to constantly be taking account of the good stuff going on and celebrating that and the stuff that needs to be addressed and needs to be worked on. Yeah, just in a just in a matter of fact way, not in a judgmental way, like, you know, you didn't get the job done and you're bad or you got the job done and that means you're good. No, it's just it's just a simple accounting, like going over a set of financials at the end of the month and reviewing our actual financial performance versus what we budgeted for the month. You know, it's just matter of fact. Um, and it's I, not something that relies, you know, that that falls on one person's shoulders. For instance, it's a it's a responsibility that needs to be shared and empowered throughout the entire organization, which is actually part of the success story for Chris, right? So talk a little bit about, you know, what did they do to start to create this culture of accountability? Well, you know, we like to say that before you can manage, you have to lead. And what we mean by that, we, we actually, part of the work we do with clients is we help them distinguish between leadership as a set of tools and management as a set of tools and coaching as a set of tools. Because there are three very separate functions. You know, leadership is all about, as Simon Sinek has made so famous, the why. The why is this important? 
what difference does my work make? So, you know, the first thing that the first thing that we did was worked with the executive team and with the uh, broader leadership team, site managers and uh, subject matter experts throughout the organization, et cetera. Um, and they all took a really deep dive at why are we doing this work? What is the impact we're looking to have on the individuals we serve and on the communities we serve? Um, and people got really clear that it was, it was about addressing the social determinants of health, but it was really about improving people's quality of life. It was really about helping people to elevate themselves so that they could be more productive, so that they could be more fulfilled, so they could work, et cetera. Um, and with given that commitment, I mean, given that like inspiring purpose, people are then willing to be held accountable. If your work is just mundane, just kind of the day-to-day, -day, you know, time to go to work, um, uh, it's hard to want to stretch to be accountable for results. But when your work is about something that's really inspiring, that really lights you up, now you're willing to be held accountable. You're willing to stretch. You're willing to get the job done. So that leadership, that inspiration piece has always got to precede accountability. Otherwise, accountability can't be supportive because it's all about supporting people's commitment to that higher purpose. Yeah, and we're going to dive a lot more into that in future episodes here because those are, in, by themselves, those are huge topics we could spend hours on. But the, the clear um, point here is that, and we'll say it over and over again, is that leadership, this idea of the why or of a future that we're working towards together, must, must, must precede any sort of accountability. Without leadership, without a shared future that we're working towards, then there's nothing to be held accountable to. We've got no, we've got no framework for us to to have any sort of a supportive accountability. So absolutely critical. We'll also be talking a lot about coaching and how that fits in and how that supports people to move towards that future. Um, so super excited to to get in those topics at a, at another day. So the the accountability um, starts to to take shape because people start to feel empowered. Um, and start to feel inspired towards a a shared future together. So, how does the um, how does the empowerment get shared? How does that work? Well, the power source is that inspirational purpose. That's what gets people excited. Now, how do you how do you give people like the authority? You know, to pursue. Uh, what they want to be accountable for, what they are accountable for. Um, it starts with like this simple, so let me back up. So supportive accountability, once we get that, that here's what I'm committed to, here's the context for my actions in place, then the, 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 the critical piece um, is that I just lost my thought. <laughs> which is critical as leaders, by the way, that, uh, you know, one of the things we need to be be able to do with, with our teams is to just be real and to not pretend like we always have the answers and always have it put together. Um, so it's a, it's a great example, Brad, of just being very human, being very relatable because we can all lose our, our train of thought. Um, the, 
did you get your thought back or can we keep I, going here? I did. I did. It, it, it effective supportive accountability starts with creating explicit agreements between us, explicit agreements. I, you know, people talk a lot about conveying expectations. Well, if I convey my expectation to you, like, you know, I expect you to, um, I don't know, be to work at 5 a.m. tomorrow, but I don't secure your promise to do that. How do I know whether you're going to do it or not? And I may say to you, I expect you to be at work tomorrow at 5 a.m., but you got kids to take care of and you can't possibly do it. But I'm the boss. So you're probably not going to say to me, hey, I can't do that. Instead, you're going to try to figure out, well, how do I do both? How do I, I can't say no, you know, he or she's the boss. Uh, so I got to kind of go along, but I got to take care of my kids. Now, now I'm in a bind. Now I'm, that's about as disempowering a situation as you can put somebody in. Um, it's a no-win situation. So if we're going to create explicit agreements and I'm going to ask you to be to work at 5 a.m. tomorrow, then I better find out from you, can you make that promise? And yeah. you got to have, go ahead, Tom. No, it, it just reminds me of my own journey in leadership and, you know, being a young CEO myself and being woefully disappointed that people weren't meeting my expectations. And it took me years, frankly, to to figure out that, well, because expectations are these amorphous things that kind of live in our brains and they're not clear to other people. You know, Brene Brown talks about how clear is kind. And this is really important that, in my opinion, we need to actually get rid of the word expectations and make it more clear, make, get, uh, as Brad said, to get a promise or, or, or get an agreement um, with somebody, get a contract with somebody, we use the word promise with with our clients just because it makes people pucker up a little bit and pay more attention because um, it's like oh boy I'm I'm making a promise to do something I better I better give that my full attention and make sure that I honor that with integrity um, because otherwise we just expect things and then they don't happen and we get frustrated with people for doing things that they didn't agree to do in the first place. So, Tom, you use the word integrity, which is is uh, it's one of those words. It's one of those words that everybody wants, but yet it sort of triggers. What do you what do you mean by integrity, and how does that fit into this concept of supportive accountability? Yeah, in, in many ways, integrity is the backbone of a strong culture, a strong team. And I've yet to meet anybody who doesn't value integrity. Right? It's sort of one of those those virtues that seem almost everybody holds universally. And yet we don't really talk a lot about what it means. Um, so if you peel it back the word and think about it, it, it shares the same root as integrate or integer, you know, integer zero or one, yes or no, um, integrate, you're integrating two concepts. And fundamentally what you're integrating with integrity is a person's word and their action. So people do what they say they're going to do. So that's it. When you when you integrate those two things, you have integrity. So we like to think about it like having a culture of integrity is where is a place where people do what they say they're going to do, without judgment. Um, it just is. You either did it or you didn't. It doesn't make you good or bad. It just is. 
Now, you might be listening to this like, well, of course, I mean, and, and we have integrity. And, and when you think of integrity, you think of, you know, we, we have high morals, we have values, we're good people, all that can be true, and you can still be missing integrity. Uh, I can't tell you how many clients we work with that in our workshops, they promise that they'll be on time for the beginning of, you know, every segment. And so we'll have a segment, we'll go on a break, we'll have a segment that starts back at, say, 10.30 a.m. We get everyone to promise good, we'll be back here at 10.30 sharp. 10.30 comes and, you know, people are still out in the hallways, they're roaming around, they're talking to each other. It's not that they're pur purposely ignoring the promise they made. It's usually that they're just, they've kind of, gone unconscious they've lost sight they've kind of forgotten they're not paying attention or they're involved in the discussion and they don't want to interrupt the person they're talking to in order to keep their promise and go back it's but it's mostly people going unconscious just doing what's comfortable and those those organizations that put a real conscious focus on this simple act of keeping our word are organizations where you can count on people to do what they say, and it is the backbone. But without that kind of conscious attention, we all get sloppy. We all go on, go on autopilot, you know? Yeah, a lot of times the issue is actually even before that, you know, very, very small number of people are adept at actually asking for what they need. We, we can be very, I know I tend to be very indirect you know, I make, and so I don't make, I, I didn't and historically make direct requests of people. So let's talk a little bit about the mechanism of, of how to do this. This is not like the best way to do it. Um, we think it is, but it's, it, there's other ways to do it, but it's really quite simple. The, the mechanisms, Brad, so you want to walk through, you know, what is it, how do you actually do this in a way that, that uh, increases your likelihood of success? Well, again, this is going to sound simplistic, but but as you're listening to this, put yourself in the position of doing this with people and just kind of see what it feels like, you know. So the first step is simple. It's asking for what you want. It's making a request. Now, you know, we tend to make real indirect requests like, um, you know, kind of a silly example, like, golly, it's cold in here. And what we really mean is, hey, Tom, you're sitting next to the thermostat. Would you kick it up a couple degrees? Um, and then Tom doesn't take us up on our indirect non-request. So then we get frustrated, like, geez, didn't he hear me? So I'd say, Tom, don't you think it's cold in here? Well, yeah, I do. Uh, well, would you do something about it? And now, now we're like frustrated because he didn't do anything. Instead of just saying, hey, Tom, I'm cold. I request that you turn around and turn the thermostat up two degrees. Will you do that for me? And Tom says, yep, I will. Or Tom says, no, Brad, the rest of the people in, in this place are like roasting. People have been peeling off sweaters all morning. So maybe you could pick up one of the sweaters that they peeled off. Um, uh, and that ability for him to either say yes or say no to decline my request is critical. You can't have integrity if you can't say no. If the only answer I can give you is yes, whether I can do it or not, uh, how can I possibly do something that I know I can't do, but I can't say no to? Yeah, this is a, this is great because so many people push back on this. What do you mean people can say no to me? You know, I'm the boss. 
So what do you what do you say to those folks? Well, it's kind of like you can't be in two places at once. You know, I I I may have promised to have my monthly report done on time, and you guys and you and I are have been working on this for some time. It's like critical. It's one of the most important promises that I make you as my boss is that I'm going to have this report in by the 15th. So I'm, I, I know I'm going to be working on that all, all day today, which by the way is the 15th. Um, uh, and then you come to me and you say, I request that you do whatever by noon. Well, I can't do that and get the report done at the same time. It's physically impossible. It's like being in two places at once. But if I can't say no to you, then I just smile and go, gosh, I hope he doesn't notice that the report that's due on the 15th is late. And then it's late. And then you say, well, there he is again, late again. And, you know, how many times do we have to talk about this? And yada, yada, yada. Well, you put me in a bind. I had a conflict. And I wasn't able to say no and then work it out with you. So that, that's what we're left with. Yeah, and it, it um it's it's really critical that you you've got to give your people and, and yourself permission to say no because if you can't say no with integrity, then you can't say yes with integrity. And that's what creates this spider web of agreements throughout the organization of people saying that they can do what they say they can do because they actually can. Now, there are exceptions to that. We don't have time to get into those today, but there are exceptions to that where if you've got a, re a federal report that's due, you know, the federal government does not play around and you just need to call it what it is and say, look, this has to get done by the 15th because it's due to the federal government. And if we don't do it, we lose millions of dollars. Um, so we've got to get this done and we need to move stuff off our list in order to get that done. So, but again, those are quite rare. 95%, 99% of the time, it's the little agreements that we're making that make all the difference, not the, not sort of the big exceptions. Um, so this is, this is critical. So it's gotta be direct. It's gotta be from one person to another. It's gotta be specific. What specifically are you asking for? And does a person understand it? Is it clear? And then it has to have a time frame to it. And it's really those three elements that, that create a culture of integrity and a culture where we can then be accountable for results. Now, there's another piece here, which is that we we assert, we're not saying that we're right, but we assert that you can actually uh, hold a person accountable. You can't manage a person. So what do we mean by that, Brad? Well, I mean, the, the, the institution where they manage people, literally, um, probably the most graphic illustration is uh, prison, you know, where they, they manage people's movement with bars and nightsticks and who knows what else. We don't need to go into what else. Um, uh, uh, obviously, that's not something that we do in polite society. What you can manage, though, is somebody's word. If somebody gives, my, gives me their word, I now have their word. I can keep track of that Tom promised to do X by today at noon. And I can check in with them and ask for kind of an accounting. You know, how are you doing in progressing for this project that's due today at noon? That's the, the interpersonal aspect. 
um, uh, that's so critical and frankly, so often missing in accountability. Yeah, and, and um, again, this is a really important aspect because what we're really talking about is you can you can hold people, you can help people be accountable, but you can't make people be accountable because the reality is we can't really make anybody do anything. You know, CEO after CEO will tell us sort of in a laughing way that, you know, they thought just because they've got the title, they could tell people what to do and they would. And in a culture of fear, that may be the case. So if that's your culture and that's your approach, then, you know, good for you. Um, we're not your, we're not your, uh, uh, your advisors because we don't think that's the best way to uh, live a life. And it's the, not the best way to get the most out of the team and the culture. Um, but if you're living in a culture where you want to create a, a, a positive momentum and you want to create an exceptional culture where people are really coming up and showing up and giving their best, then really what you're doing is you're, you're helping people be accountable for the promises that they make because they made them, not because you forced them to. So this is, a, again, one of those really critical distinctions that um, if you want to be supportive, it's got to be that person's idea. There's a great quote, I forget who it's from, but it says, there's only one way to get somebody to do something. It's for them to want to do it. And which again, underlines the point that you have to lead first. You have to, you have to get the person to get excited and to aspire to something themselves. And then when they want to do it, then they'll take it on. I'll never forget when I, we started to do some reporting to the government, it was amazing how many different reports there were. And I, I did it for about a year and I frankly did not like it. Um, and so I started asking team members is, you know, who loves, who loves this stuff? Who loves putting reports together and spreadsheets? And, you know, I thought I'd get crickets, but there was one person that raised their hand emphatically and said, Oh, I love that stuff. I love that stuff. And I said, well, are you interested in doing this? I wasn't telling them they had to, I wasn't delegating it to them. I was asking them if they wanted it. And they said, yeah, I'd love to. Well, great. I didn't have to delegate it. They took it from me. They they took it on because they were excited about it. And sure enough, a few months later, they had this amazing spreadsheet with deadlines and a reminder system. And um, they were hitting 100% compliance within like six months um, and, and kept that 100% compliance for years afterwards because they wanted to do it. So again, really, really important that you can't just start managing and start holding people accountable to things. You've got to create a uh, that future first. You've got to lead first. You've got to inspire people first. Yeah, so inspire, make requests, secure promises from people, follow up with people. By the way, the follow-up we usually think of as following up after the deadline uh, and specifically following up if they miss the deadline. But real supportive accountability you follow up prior to the deadline, check in, see how people are doing. Are we on track? Are you running into problems? Do you need support? Um, it both lets people know that you're interested in them, but it also lets people know that you're paying attention and that you are actually going to expect them to do what they say they're going to do. And when you do that, people tend to rise to the occasion. Um, uh, it's, it's an amazing phenomenon. Yeah, and they and they they start to see you as as being on their side. Your job then, once you've led right and you got people inspired, then you create a, a promise. Now you've got some accountability in place. Now you can support them, and that's the supportive accountability part. 
And that's really the coach's hat. You're putting your coach's hat and saying, okay, that's due in two weeks. How can I help you? Is there anything I can do to help? Have you, have you thought about, you know, attending this webinar? Have you thought about talking to, to Bob? You know, he's done this before. Um, the support of a part is just that it's how do I support you in being successful proactively before the deadline, if at all possible. So that's really the the key here is that if you want to have supportive accountability, you got to bring all these pieces together. Again, none of them are terribly complex, but they do take great intentionality um, because ultimately it can produce, produce tremendous results as is, as we, you know, as we shared from the example with Chris, it's literally this approach saved this organization millions of dollars over many years. So, you know, we've talked very, very conceptually um, about this so far. Um, but, you know, one of the one of the hallmarks of our work is we want to give people like specific practices and help them develop specific practices to put this to use. Um, so our next video is going to address 10 practices, you know, simple steps, so to speak for fostering a culture of supportive accountability, either with an individual or with the culture as a whole. So we hope you'll join us for that and, and um, uh, benefit from those you know, very specific, here's the how-to. Yeah, and as always, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. Hit that subscribe button if you would. We appreciate that. Hit the thumbs up, hit the five stars. All those things are immensely helpful for us. Um, and please feel free to forward this on to your fellow CEO and leaders and colleagues and school superintendents and those who you think might find this topic interesting. And um, thanks again for joining us. And we look forward to seeing you in the next one. Take care. Bye-bye.